What would you do if you won the lottery? You know, people, they think about it, they dream about it and stuff oftentimes. You know, we let our minds go into those places. But, you know, what would you do? Would you live in the same house that you're living in now? Would you drive the same car that you drive now? I started trust and collected in that so my family didn't know that I won. <laughs> Take care of my church and didn't know I would not have the same car or the same house. Might not, might even move. <laughs> so, you know, and the truth is, um, a lot of things, a lot of times, people change whenever they come into a lot of money. And, um, you know, there was a guy several years ago that won $8 million, and five years later, he was completely flat broke because he wasted it all on things that have no value. And so our attitude with which we use the things that God has given to us is important because we need to focus our everything that God has given to us on the things that last, and we'll talk more about that as we go through there. JB knows of a couple... Um, of girls that their father passed away and he had set up a trust for them with $100,000. There was two daughters and one of them, um, by the age of 32, she had a home, she had a nice savings account, she had invested the money wisely that her dad had left to her. The other sister turned 21, bought a Corvette with the money that she got. By the age 23, she had wasted everything and had nothing to show. So one at age 32 had used wisely what her father had left to her. The other one did not and, you know, paid the price basically the rest of her life. And so money is not the answer to our financial problems. It's what we do with money that makes the difference. I like Dave Ramsey says something very similar to that. It's not how much money we have. It's what you do with it. He goes on to say that a third of the millionaires in the world never made or never had a six-figure salaried job for one year of their entire life. They used wisely the money that they had. They invested their money, they gave their money, and they spent their money, but they did it all wisely. And so it's important on how we use our money, our attitude towards the things that God gives us. And so I told you earlier to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. Look at verses 10 through 12. Somebody want to read that? Man, I didn't bring my glasses. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another, or sorry, is another's, whose will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Are we going to do It's all right. Sorry, I want to... <laughs> just extrapolate it. Just keep on going. That's all right. Um, but the key we see there is faithfulness. If we're not faithful in that which is little, if we're not faithful in the things that God has already given to us, then what makes us thankful that we're think that we're going to be faithful in much? And we talked about it a little bit uh, last time whenever we talked about giving. And we said, you know, man, if I only had more, then I'd give more. And we used the example of the person that makes fifteen thousand um, dollars a year and gives away seven hundred and fifty, and then the person that makes a hundred thousand dollars on average gives away $1,500. So with $85,000 more of income, they give $750 more, double what the person that makes $15,000 um, a year. How many? As many as I mean, there's one, two, three more 
four more. Keeping recording. They can cut it. It's almost like every time they come in. <laughs> I know it. We just keep it going. We learned our lesson on that. All right. Um, so what I was saying is, you know, in that $85,000 more, they give twice as much as somebody who makes $1,500 or $15,000 a year. And so, um, you know, that's it's amazing just the difference you know if you're not faithful in that which is little you're not going to be faithful in that which is much so um, we need to be faithful with what God has given us no matter how big or how small the amount is and like I said earlier I mean it's not just in our what we're going to give our 10%, 15%, 20%, 30%, 50% that you give away. It's with everything that God has entrusted to us, all of our finances, the the rest of the finances that are left after we give, we're to use that wisely. And then, like I said, our time, talents, abilities, all of those other things as well. So as we begin, let's think about review. We're dealing with the great biblical truths concerning money, possessions, and tonight our attitude of them the goal is to use wisely what God has given to us to be wise stewards of all that we have and we realize that whenever it, whatever we have comes from God we're to use it for his honor and for his glory in these past few weeks we've looked at money possession finances stewardship and last week we dealt with biblical giving and how it all fits together and this evening we're turning to our attitude our attitude concerning riches we must realize that here in america we are rich you know many people feel like well i don't have much you know i'm poor but compared to the rest of the world our poor people our people in poverty here would be rich in many of the other countries around the world so, but as the key is, is that we are faithful. That's what we've seen already, that we are to be faithful in that which is little so that we will be faithful in that which is much. So think about the attitude. People say, if I had money, I would do the following. I, I would give more. I, I would help people who are in need. Um, I would do all these things. But what are you doing now? That's what's important. What are you doing with what God has given you now? Because this is what you have. And uh, don't think that later on that we're going to be more faithful in doing what it is. Well, let's think about our attitude towards money, riches, and material things. We live in a society that does what? That pulls us to want more and more. Richard Foster wrote a best-selling uh, book that's called Money, Sex, and Power, and there are three areas that affect our lives, three areas that pull on us, and it goes all the way back to the garden with Adam and Eve. What were those three things that, that pulled, pulled them to eat that fruit? What did she do? Okay, there's pride. Lust. Lust of the flesh. flesh. Lust of the eyes. So she looked at it, looked good, and then the lust of the flesh, you know, that, and then the pride of life, you know, it's going to make me like God. And so, <laughs> so she took of it. And so those three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Listen to this. This is 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17. through 17. It says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts. And so, you know, the things of this world, First uh, John 2, 15 through 17. And so the things of this world, they're all going to pass away. And so we don't put our time, our talents, our efforts, our energy into the things 
of this world. They're all passing away. They're not from the Father. But the Father, as we'll talk about here in a little bit, is eternal. And we are to invest in the things that are eternal. Materialism is the pursuit and the desire to be rich, to have things, to get rich. Down there at the bottom, that quote from Howard Hendricks says, materialism has nothing to do with the amount. It has everything to do with the attitude. And so as we think about that, you know, there are many people who are materialistic and they have very little. And there's people who are not materialistic who have a whole lot. There are people who don't have a lot and all they do is want to get, get, get for themselves. And there's a lot of people who have a lot and they want to give, give, give of all that they have. And so it's not the amount of money that you have, but it's that attitude that you have and how are you going to use what God has entrusted to you. There's only four things that you can do with money. What are those four things that you can do with money? Save it. Okay, you can save it, give it, spend it, and invest it. The first thing, how do you get it? Earn it. You have to earn it. You have to earn it. And so we have to earn money. So those are the four things. We earn it, we give it, we save it, and we spend it. And it should be in that order. A lot of people spend it, and then they try to earn it doesn't work so good. We'll talk more about that as we uh, get into our future lessons dealing with uh, debt and all of those things. But we're to earn the money, then we're to give away, we're to save, and then we're to spend what we have left. And so those are the four things that we can do with money. And the truth is, many people, you know, they're just into that possessions, buying, spending, um, that they miss out on the great blessing that we talked about, you know, last time. And that was when we dealt with giving. Jesus said it's more blessed to do what? Give than receive. And so our attitude towards our riches, towards being rich, we need to to focus on on what we're going to do with those things. Well, tonight we're going to deal with several passages that deal with our attitude as far as giving. And so let's first think about that number one there is faithfulness. Faithfulness and that God will supply. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And so God will supply. He always does. He's faithful. Um, and I like what that verse is dealing with. I mean, he's, he's talking to um, the church at Philippi and the church at Philippi had sent him a gift and he said that he is amply supplied with what it is that they sent to him. And so um, he, he's got everything he needs and, he, and he's telling them, because you've been faithful, um, you know what God is going to do? He's going to supply your every need because you've been, you've had that generosity, and so you'll never lack. And I like what that verse also says. It says, "And my God will supply you according to His riches, not out of His riches, but according to His riches." So He has everything, and it's all there for you to make sure that you are taken care of. He's not just going to give it out of. He's not just giving you a little portion, but He's giving you according to all that He has, and so. God, he is, he is faithful. He'll supply. He'll take care of our needs. We'll talk more about it later on as well. And then B is to use what we have now. Again, it goes back to that passage that we saw earlier. Also, Matthew 25, 21. You know, being faithful in little so that you can be faithful in much. And so it's all about faithfulness. You've got to be faithful with whatever it is that God has given you at this point in time. And then the next one is you can't serve God in money. 
We can't serve both God and money. Matthew 6.24 and uh, Taylor read it in that passage earlier um, as he went on. You can't serve both God and wealth. You know, we got to decide who is it that, that we're going to serve. Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve wealth? We're to handle our money rather than letting our money handle us. And we've talked about that several times as we go through there. Realize that we get controlled by the, by the things that, that we end up serving. Then that's what controls us. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that is in you? and that you've been bought with a price. Therefore, what are we to do? We're to glorify God in our bodies. So whatever it is that we do, we're to do it all for the glory of God. Whether it's giving, whether it's making money, whether it's spending money, we'll talk about some more of this as we go along as well. So we're to handle our money rather than allowing our money to handle us and realize that we can't serve both God and wealth. We have to choose who it is that we're going to serve. And then the fourth thing there is to be wise stewards. Be wise stewards of what God has given us. And that's, again, that key. That key to the attitude that we're to have is an attitude of stewardship. That God has given us everything that we have that it's not, you know, well, I went and I earned this. I worked for it, so I deserve it. It's mine. No, God gave you the gifts, talents, and abilities. He gave you the job um, that allowed you to make that money. And so we are to be good stewards, wise stewards of all that He has given to us. And Matthew twenty-five twenty-one says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of your master. And so the guy gave him that he gave five talents to, he doubled that. And so what does Jesus say? He says, well done. And that's what we are all looking for is to be, to hear, well done, good and faithful servants. We'll be rewarded for wisely using whatever it is that God has given to us. So the key to having is an attitude of faithfulness. That's what we want to have. That's the attitude we want to have. But within, with that in mind, let's think about riches. And there are two extremes that, that people go to whenever you talk about Christians and, and having money. And um, those extremes are, on one end, we have many Christians saying money is evil. You know, money is evil. And so, what are we to do? We're, you know, if you have a lot of money, you know, you're bad, you're evil. Um, you know, people that, that are good Christians, you know, they, they shouldn't have a whole lot. You should give it all away. But then there's the other end of the extreme, and that's that prosperity gospel. You know, that if you're a good standing Christian, then you should have wealth. I mean, you should be able to afford a nice house. You should have everything, you know, that name it and claim it. Um, and that God, you know, He, he gives you everything um, if you're living for Him. But the balanced is what we're looking for. And that's the biblical view. And that is an, an idea of stewardship, being wise stewards of all that God has given to us. Um, Howard Dayton in his book, Your Money Counts, he has a, a little chart or whatever um, in that book. And, you know, he says possessions are to the poverty, they're evil. Um, what do I work for? I only work to meet my basic needs. Godly people, they're there to be poor. Ungodly people are the wealthy people. You know, you got all this money, then you're doing it the wrong way. You shouldn't have that money. You're living an ungodly life. I give because I must. My spending is without gratitude to God. And then the opposite end, the prosperity, you know, possessions are a right. I have a right to this money. This is my money. I work in order to become rich. Godly people are wealthy. Um, and so, you know, you, you look at your life and if you got a lot of money, then, you know, you're a godly person. 
um, ungodly people or poor people. I give to get. And we talked about that last week. You know, our motive to give is an act of worship, love, and trust. You know, there is a principle that if you give, then God will supply to you. But we don't give to get. We give out of our love for God. And then my spending, it's carefree. It's consumptive. You know, it's I'm, I'm going to satisfy myself with whatever it is that I want to buy. Where stewardship is, is the biblical view, and that's the, the middle view, that possessions are a responsibility. So God has given me these things, and He's given them to me for a purpose, for a reason, for me to use for His honor and glory. I work to serve Christ. And, you know, think about that. What, what do you do at your job? You know, many people are in areas of service where they serve people. Um, and whenever you serve people, are you doing it with a Christ-like attitude? Are you doing it with joy, um, understanding? You know, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. You know, it's not our boss that we serve. Um, it's not the grumpy customers that, that we serve. We ultimately serve God. And so we want to do it with joy. We want to do it with love. That's why we're doing our job so that we can make money to help other people while we're making the money. We're helping other people. We're helping in areas of service, um, whatever it is. But that's, our, that's a stewardship attitude is that I work in order to serve Christ. Godly people are faithful people. Ungodly people are unfaithful people. I give, why? Because God loved me and because I love God. And so I want to give as an act of worship, love, and trust. My spending is prayerful and responsible. What does the world want us to do? You see an advertisement, what do they want you to do? Buy it. Buy it. How fast? Now. Now. Exactly right. I mean, everything is... You know, take 30 days, think about this, and this deal is going to last for the next 30 days. Do you hear that on TV all the time? Nope. When's it going to end? You've got 30, 30 seconds left, and, it, and you know, when this commercial's over, this deal is over. And then the next com set of commercials come along, and you've got 30 seconds once this commercial's over. I thought you said that, uh, you know, 10 minutes ago on the last commercial break. And, but, the, I mean, that's what everything is pushing towards, is to purchase it now, not to be prayerful and responsible. And, you know, a lot of times if you think about the purchase that you want to make, Oftentimes, if you take that time to think about it, and you know, whenever you buy something, what else happens? If I say, okay, I got a hundred dollar bill that I can go spend, and here's this I don't know what what costs a hundred dollars, I mean, it may be a piece of gum anymore, isn't it? <laughs> so, I'm gonna go buy you know, this thing over here for a hundred dollars. But what else, what does that do? The opposite of that is I can't what? I can't go buy this thing or this thing if I buy this one. And so that's why you have to think about and, and be responsible and prayerful in making decisions, especially big money decisions. You know, sometimes, man... Boy, that, that car that just went by, it, it looks pretty nice. I, I think I want to go get one of those. And a lot of times in the world that we live in with all of the accessibility to loans and, and many people can get them, then a lot of people go, man, you know, or you sit in somebody's car, man, I want one like that. And then you go buy it and then, you know, just a little bit later, you're like, man, why did I do that? Now I'm stuck in, the, in this payment. I'm stuck in um, owing for this. I can't go buy these other things that I wanted to buy. And so whether it's small things, big things, we need to be prayerful and responsible in the things that we purchase, no matter the value or the cost. Any thoughts, comments, questions?
I'm just kind of flying through everything. I really liked when you said that it was kind of like a affirmation, or at least I turned it into it. But my spending is prayerful and intentional. I like just dragging it under that and essentially having that as a standard for anything I feel like helps dictate, you know, like is this something I really need? Is it, you know, have I prayed over this? Have I considered it? and really thought about what I'm going to be spending. I feel like a lot of that, if, if I did that with any of my purchases, <laughs> that it would it would at least cut out a lot of like the impulse type stuff. Exactly. I mean, if you if you take time to think about it and the in the cost of what you can't get, how much is this costing me? Um, you know, is it something that will glorify God, something that I can use uh, you know to help God to help others or is this a selfish purchase for me that's wasteful and that you know is going to have no value um, a week down the road a month down the road um, you know is it something that I should should make this purchase for is it something that's wise to do Six years ago, I had an opportunity to buy a 67 red Corvette. I'm taking all my money, but we really needed a pickup. <laughs> <laughs> and it was only going to take half my money with the add-ons I had to do it. Man, I wanted that Corvette. <clears throat> yep. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on here. What does the Bible say about riches? Think about riches. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Two key aspects. After a bit. Was that the prayerful and intentional? No, we haven't got there yet. We're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, you went down to riches, so I was just making sure that I didn't miss something. Yeah. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, we'll get to the whole passage here in just a minute, but in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Those who desire to get rich... Uh, be careful because there's a fall and there's often a high price to be paid for riches. And that's so true because many times people who are rich, who have a lot of wealth and everything in their lives, uh, you know, lose everything. And so because they're, they're tied up in their wealth, they're tied up in their possessions, they're tied up in materialism, that it costs them, you know, their family, their friends, um, and a lot of times even their health because they live however they want to, you know, partying and and drinking and drugs and things like that because they have the money, they have the access to all of it. Um, And women a lot of times, you know, and so it causes, causes the marriage um, to break up and they and they lose their kids and all those things and so um, you know we have to be careful about desiring those riches because there's a great fall that can come out of that. So it's easy to move from living for Jesus Christ to living for self. So let's take a look at riches and why we are not to desire riches. And so in First Timothy chapter six verses 7 through 10, we're going to realize that there's a difference between living for Christ and using material possessions for the glory of God and living for self and desiring possessions more and more. So the two key aspects that are there in your book is, number one is, why not go after riches? Why do we not go after riches? And number two, how to use riches. So why do we not go after riches and then how to use riches? And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and um, does somebody want to read that? But let's start up here um, in verse 6. 
and go through verse 19. And then we'll kind of break it down as we, after we read through it. Godliness, how far, all the way through 19? 19, 6 through 19. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at a proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable life, whom no man has seen nor can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Okay. So there's so much in there, and, and you know that whole passage is dealing with finances and riches and our attitude towards these riches. And um, if we handle them in the right way, then the results that we are going to see as well are all there. So um, looking at your book, the number one there, um, where it's riches, material things are temporary. So why not go after riches? Because in 1 Timothy 6, 7, he says that we take nothing in and we're going to take nothing out. Only while we're here on this earth do we have many of the things that we have. I mean, the, the things are, are temporary. You know, George Strait, he said it best. You don't bring nothing in and you, with you and you don't take nothing out. I ain't seen a hearse with a luggage rack. And, uh, you know, it's so true. So whatever it is that we store up here on this earth, we're just leaving for other people um, to, to spend, to use, uh, and all of those things. But we are to save, and we're going to talk about that in a, in a later verse, because we are to be storing up for our children and even our children's children. And so there is an importance to saving, but... Um, you know, we're not to go after the materialistic things and hoard things for ourselves. So the the material thing, the riches and the things of this world, they're temporary. We need to see things from eternal perspective, not from a temporal perspective. Jesus Christ, the Sermon on the Mount, what does He say? He says we're to lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot decay. For the eternal things are the things that last. So what are the three things that last forever? What is it that we should be investing our time, our talents, our energies, and all of those things into? The Word of God. The Word of God is one of them. Relationships with others. Okay, so people are going to last forever and... Who is eternal. God. God. And so those are the three things that we need to be investing in. God. I mean, He is eternal. He is from everlasting to everlasting. And so we need to be investing um, and doing everything that we do for the glory of God. Um, the Word of God is eternal. And so what do we need to do? We need to know the Word of God. We need to apply the Word of God. 
And we need to teach the Word of God because who lasts forever? And that is people. And so we need to be investing in the lives of other people. People that are not believers, we need to be investing in them. We need to know the Gospel, the response and the offer so that we can tell people the good news message of how they can have eternal life and how they can have an eternal relationship with Almighty God, how they can spend eternity with those of us who have believed in Jesus Christ. And then we need to be teaching um, the believers. We need to be growing them in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to take what we've been taught and pass it on to other people. So God, His Word, and people are the things that we need to be investing in. And so, you know, you say, well, I've, I've got finances. What do I want to do with them? Maybe you want to invite somebody over to your house that you know is not a believer. Maybe it's a neighbor, a co-worker, a friend. Um, you invite them into your house and, you know, have a meal and use some of the finances that God has given you. Use the house that God has given you um, for His glory and for other people to invest in their lives. Bring them in. Show them Christ-like love in the way that you treat them um, in bringing them into your house. And then that gives you an opportunity to share the Gospel with other people. Same thing with believers. We can do the same thing. You know, invite them in um, and equip them, train them, fellowship, you know, with them so that they can grow in Christ because we're to be investing in their lives. You know, we can also do the same thing. Take them to dinner. Maybe you live in a in an apartment that's small or something, and so you take them out to dinner um, somewhere. Or um, And the truth is, you know, whenever we do take people out to dinner and we're Christian people, what what shift is the waitress's least favorite shift? Does anybody know? After church. Sunday. Sunday after church. That's a sad thing. I mean, you know, I asked the question, and many of you in here knew the, knew the answer. And that's a sad thing for us as Christians to to think that that's the worst shift that, that, that people have as waitresses that they don't want because people come in after church and I mean, I know of my cousin's a waitress and I know several other people uh, throughout my life that have been waitresses and they say, you know, when people come in on Sunday mornings uh, or Sunday after church, I mean, they're the grumpiest people. They expect things, you know, now I expect them to be exactly right. All of these things. And they're the least tippers of anybody that they have come in. And so you come in there with your church clothes on, look like you know, you've been going to church. Maybe even you pray at your table, but then you turn around and gripe at your waitress for you know, something that she didn't even have control over. Um, and so... You know, we just need to think about that, being witnesses to other people because what are we to be investing in? God and people and His Word. And so we're investing in people. And it's not just the people that are sitting at our dinner table. It's the people that are in the booth next to you that didn't go to church. Look at how they're acting towards their waitress. Look at this waitress and, you know, what she's having to deal with. And so all of these things, you know, we got to take that into consideration. And so um, it's more than just just the financial piece of being bad tippers. I mean, it's the attitude and everything else with which we go into those places. And so we need to invest in those three things, though. God, the Word of God, and people. In Proverbs 23, verse 4, it says, Do not... Weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. And the truth is, you know, I mean, it does. It, you, you can't put your, your hope and your trust in, in finances because they will so quickly be out of the way. 
And so, and that kind of ties in to the next thing, though, number two is contentment. You'll never find contentment in riches. They never satisfy. Verse 8, food and covering. If you have those things, you are to be content. Be content with the basics. Food, shelter, and clothes. Things will never bring contentment. Why? Because they don't last. They can't satisfy. There's always another one. There's always a newer one. You know, we must have more and more and more. I mean, you think about it. You know, you go buy this nice fancy car. Then there's a new model that comes out. And then you're like, well, man, I want that that car now. That, that one's nicer. I, you go buy a computer. And six months later, you know, it's obsolete. There's something that's twice as fast with twice as much memory. You know, I got the latest iPhone, but, you know, a year later, here's another one. And so now this one's not any good anymore. I've got to have this one because it has more memory and and takes better pictures. And, you know, but they all do the same basic things. They call, you can text with them. And so, uh, you know, do we have to have the latest and greatest? But those things will never satisfy. There's always going to be something better, something bigger that we want. But God is always with us. Um, He is the one who's going to provide for us, take care of us. Philippians 4.19 that we saw earlier, you know, He'll supply your every need. Hebrews 13.5 says, let your character be free from the love of money being content with what you have for he himself has said i will never desert you nor will i ever forsake you and so you know we we can be content god's going to supply supply us hebrews 13:5 and so our character needs to be free from the love of money be content with what you have because God is not ever going to leave us. He's going to give us and supply our every need. And then the next one is riches bring ruin. And we kind of talked about this earlier. Verse 9, those who want to get rich, be careful. You fall into temptation, harmful desires, ruin and destruction. There's a study done in the in the U.S. and 38% of those ages 18 to 39 said they would sacrifice happiness for more money. But the truth is, I think they think with the more money is going to come the happiness because they think that happiness comes from more money. But as we've already talked about, money cannot bring contentment. Money fools us. Matthew 13.22 calls it the deceitfulness of riches. And so money cannot satisfy. We don't need to, to put our hope in money. And then verse 10, the love of money is the root of evil. Not money itself, but it's the attitude and the use. You know, the love of money. It causes people, what does it say there? To wander from the faith to wander away from the faith what does that mean to become more focused on things of the world exactly to be more worldly and to be focused more on that than we are on god the faith becomes in the money exactly exactly and so we're not losing our salvation but we're losing our Christian walk. We're, we're losing um, the opportunity for rewards. We're losing the fellowship. Exactly. The fellowship um, because we are wandering from the faith because we love money. So why not go after riches? We've already seen three. Things are temporary. Um, they bring about or there is no contentment found in it, and they cause ruin. So don't go after them because they'll be gone. Look at one more aspect. What if you have riches? How do we deal with riches? How are we to use riches? And that jumps us down to verse 17 there, um, 17 through 19. Instruct those who are rich in the present world not to be conceited or to fix 
their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who supplies us with all things to enjoy. So in this passage here in 17 through 19, we see two positive aspects, or I mean two negative aspects and a positive aspect. First, we'll look at the negative and it says not to be conceited. What is that talking about? You, you're rich, you got all of this, don't be conceited. Exactly. You have that idea that I'm better than everybody else. Look at what I did to gain all of this. And so we look down on people that don't have as much. And he says, don't do that. Why? Because everything you get comes from God. He's the one who supplied it to you. And He supplied it to you for a purpose. Not for you to be conceited, but to use it for His glory. To use it to help others who are not as fortunate as you are. And we'll see that here in just a minute. My grandpa, anytime we borrow a pen, he'd always say, don't forget where you got that. Because, of course, he knew we were going to run off with it. <laughs> that, it reminds me of that. Like, That's the same thing. you know. Don't forget where you got it from. And it just happens to be that that's everything. Exactly. That's a great so it's great analogy. Bringing it back to him is the trick there. And yep. Not running off with it and losing it to where he's got to come hunt you down. Number two is not hope in riches. And we've already kind of seen this because they're uncertain. You know, it's easy come, easy go. I don't know about the easy come, but it definitely is easy go. And so it's not our base of security or our hope. We're not to place our hope in our riches. And so because they're uncertain, they, they won't always be there. There are many people who had a lot of wealth and uh, for various reasons, it all went away. And then number three, the positive aspect is to hope in God. Hope in God. He's the one who supplies all your needs. Put your trust in God. He is the Savior, the Creator, our Sustainer, our Provider, our Protector. So trust in Him, not the material things. They come and go, but God, as we said earlier, God is eternal. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He promises that He'll never leave us or forsake us, that He'll supply all of our needs. So don't be conceited. Don't trust in riches, but trust in God. Matthew 6, 31-33, you know, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. What are these things that that, that, that passage is talking about? Does anybody know? He's talking about food, shelter, clothing, the necessities of life. God's going to provide those. You seek Him first. You put Him as your priority in your life and He is your focus in your life. Then He's going to provide for your every need. And so we have to, we have to put first. We have to seek His kingdom. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and He'll give you peace that surpasses all understanding. It'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so, our hope is in God. Verse 18, what are we to do? Instruct, those, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So, what are we to do? We're to be good. We're to not be good. We're to do good. We're to do good to other people. We're to be generous and ready to share. Be rich in good works. You may not feel like you're rich financially, but you are being here in America. But we should feel rich in good works. We should be wanting 
and looking for opportunities and ways that we can do good for other people because, as we said earlier, people go on forever and we need to be there for them, helping them. And then verse 19 gives us the results. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. And so we're to be storing up. Storing up treasures. What kind of treasures are we to be storing up? Not only for our eternal future, but we're to be storing up for this life as well. Not hoarding, but storing up, using wisely what God has given to us. Lay up treasure in heaven, save for the future, not only spiritual, but also while we're on this earth. Proverbs 30.24 talks about that. Four things are small on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are not strong folk, but they prepare their food in the summer. And so they're preparing for the future. They're preparing and, and to be ready for the time when they're going to be in need. And so we too are to, are to prepare. But we're also to be preparing for our eternal future as well. Because what we do here on this earth, what we do here on this earth matters for all eternity. How we live on this earth is going to affect how we live in all eternity. So riches. Don't be conceited. Don't hope in riches, but hope in God. Do good, share with others, and lay up treasure in heaven. So what have we seen? Our attitude dealing with riches. Don't go after riches. They're temporary. They can't satisfy. They bring ruin. And then number three is use riches. Don't be conceited or trust riches, but trust God. Use what you have for others sharing up and storing in heaven. And so that takes us to our applications. Our applications, number one is put our emphasis on the eternal rather than on the temporal. Put our emphasis on the eternal rather than the temporal. Don't go after being rich. It's a waste of time. Why? Because it's temporary. It can't satisfy. And it often brings ruin. Use Number two is use what we have for others. Use what we have for others. God has provided for us. He does provide for us. So we need to share. We need to do good. We need to lay up eternal rewards. Use the things that we have to help others. So may we be wise stewards of all that God has given to us. Material things. Riches, but also our time, talents, and abilities. Use them for His honor and His glory, but also use them for the good of other people who are around us.